where we as elders are anticipating questions people might have. So here in this most recent communication, uh, when will we reopen? When will we reopen on Sunday morning? And uh, for us, uh, we're going to take our, we'll be taking our time in our local context and that'll be mid-July. And we'll be paying attention along the way uh, as we do that. And the next kind of question, why wait till July when other churches are opening sooner? So then I give my, our answer to that question. Aren't Christians supposed to serve our community with faith? How does keeping our doors closed enable that purpose? I give an answer to that question. The next question I raise, I'm going crazy. What can we do in the meantime to feel closer to each other? I give answers to that question. And then the next question, what if I have some ideas about how we could connect more socially while remaining physically safe? I answer that question. Are you saying that Riverside isn't trying to align its pandemic decisions with a particular political party? I answer that question, which is yes, that's right. We're not, we're not going to do that. And I give a few passages from the wisdom literature calling us to wisdom. And then the last question I ask is, what do I do if I don't like this leadership approach and I need to share my frustration? Or I think this all sounds great, but I'm feeling overwhelmed with it all. And then I give an answer to that question. And so those seem to be the two ways of trying to communicate, to try to account for the various avoidant, angry, afraid people. Uh, and uh, together, trying to set our sights on what is wise, as best we can see in our local context. But to do so as... <laughs> as wise as we can, which means we invite, we're teachable, we're listening, uh, we're not shying away uh, from, from something, but we're setting it out there and we're having an honest dialogue. These are some of the experiences that we've been having, the wisdom that we've been seeking, and a couple of examples of how it's working itself out with us. But I look forward to hearing what our panel shares, and I look forward to hearing your questions because I will be learning from you as well. <laughs> I'm looking for the wisdom the Lord's been showing you as well. Thank you, Roy. Thanks, Zach. That is really a good place to start. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll get into some discussion now with the rest of the team here. So uh, I've been getting some emails that some folks have been having a, a bit of a trouble uh, hitting the link and joining us. So I am, uh, I am apologize for that. Um, I hope that we can resolve that before the next time uh, comes around. And also um, the fact that um, the screen share, I think uh, that was my fault. I probably <laughs> didn't give you permission to do that. So uh, I'll learn that better, That's All right? right. <laughs> so um, so I'll, I'm uh, working through the list here of the team to uh, unmute them and um, Try to uh, get everybody on board here, and um, I'm. Uh, let's see. I've got uh, Ed and Josh. Everybody, everybody on now. Oh, uh, Scott. I don't have Scott on there. All right. Let's see, Scott. Where are you? Oh, you're under rural. Okay. There we go. All right. So is everybody on now? Brian, Ed, Josh, Scott, Doug. You there? 
Maybe not. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, let's see. I did not unmute him. That's probably why he didn't say that. Hi, Doug. You there now? I'm here. All right. Okay. I think we got it. So um, what I want to do is I want to just, uh, I want us all to just kind of bounce off of what Jack, Zach was sh uh, sharing. But um, first off, I think, especially for those of us who are leaders, um, I would guess that we have to try to confront those voices in ourselves first before we uh, try to engage those who are um, expressing those various uh, ideas and opinions uh, and those voices in our congregation. So um, as we've gone through this time, uh, maybe you could share one or two ways in which, and you, you know, be as transparent as you feel like you want to be here, uh, but what are some of the voices uh, and how have you uh, personally found ways to um, confront those voices in yourself so that you are at a place where then you can uh, help others? And uh, I'm just gonna throw that out there at this point in time and anyone can jump in. This is a general question for everyone at this point. Well, this is Zach again. And um, uh, I, I am prone in a, in a moment, a time like this, woundedness will be a, a dominant voice in my life and uh, I've needed others. And so I guess it was three weeks into the pandemic, I noticed three or four weeks in, I noticed I'd received a call from an elder once a week. And uh, by, the end of some, by the end of no matter what we talked about, one of them asked me, how's your mental health? Uh, some question like that, because they know anxiety and depression has been a part of my life. And I realized about four weeks in, aha, they are checking in on me. And my first thought was pride, which was, I don't like being a pastor uh, who needs people to check in on him. And, uh, and then I thought, oh, there's more pride. That means I don't like being a human being <laughs> who needs people to check in on him. And then as I was confessing that to our good shepherd, I realized, then it, it dawned on me, oh my goodness, I don't know if I've ever had this in my life and I, don't, I should never take this for granted. Uh, those elders were checking on me without evaluation, without judgment. Uh, but as uh, folks who've been with me through thick and thin, and we're just checking in to see how I was doing. Mm. And I, I think that's the first time in my vocational ministry I have experienced that. And um, all that is to say, uh, I, we, I, need, I need help uh, from others to counter the wounded voice, which might say the sky is falling. Um, yeah. Okay, good. I should say, even in a public communication, one of the elders just uh, shared with me as they looked at my first draft, uh, uh, he reminded me, I think there's an opportunity here to speak a little more hope <laughs> right here. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, right, there it is. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So Roy, in, uh, this is Doug Walker. In, in Florida, the, um, the restrictions have eased quite a bit here. And, um, so in following with Zach's vulnerability, I'll, uh, I'll tell you I'm a recovering people pleaser. And um, 
that reality is that I, I pay very close attention to uh, what other churches are doing, uh, what what my congregants are saying, where you know are are they are they eager, are they anxious, where where are we at in that, and I've I've found um, with a little reflection that um, I I find myself moving back and forth really just tracking with either the way the statistics are going or the way the attitude of a uh, majority of my congregation is going. And that's really not a wise way to make a decision. It really, it really follows in, in Zach's um, sharing a few moments ago, more the way of the fool. And so I really have to guard against that. I have to guard against what I know to be my weakness of, of wanting to, to please people, wanting there to be peace and everyone sort of happy. And, and I even found myself saying something to, uh, to an elder the other day of, you know what, I don't want to be the first church to reopen, but I don't want to be the last church either. Um, and, and really what that reveals in me is, is some of my weaknesses, some of the places where I, I need to rest on the, the counsel of my session and need to be more grounded in the certainty and surety of God's word, rather than the movement of the culture or the, or the, um, uh, you know, for those of you who may be in Florida, uh, our governor has been uh, amazingly naive in some areas, especially when it comes to churches. So we really, we really don't have any mandates to where we could say this is what we're going to do and when we're going to do it. And um, I, I now have said, you know, along with my elders. Let's pray about when is right, what is right. Let's look at our people, our situation, our demographic, our, um, uh, our particular um, unique scenario here, and, and let's try and do the best we can to close off the rest of the world. So I appreciate what, what Zach has shared because it, it resonates very well with both myself and a lot of the other people that I've been dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. I'll, I'll round out the uh, trifecta there and, and just say, I, uh, Zach, first, this was phenomenal. Thank you. Um, uh, but I, I do I do feel like right out of the, the gate, I was, I was having darts thrown at me here um, because I am the naive, uh, most definitely. Um, and, I, and, and when you put on the pastor face, right, you, you try to say the right things um, while in the back of my head I'm going, I, you know, this is ridiculous. We'll, we'll be back to normal in no time. And, and, and just as month goes after month, the, the trap I found myself in constantly was we'll get through this in just a little bit. Instead of being present in the moment, constantly waiting for the moment to be done with. And that's what I, what I found to be a huge help was a group of guys, uh, other pastors. We just started meeting every week and just talking and praying about where we were. And hearing them talk about the hard situations they were going through started opening my eyes to seeing, I have some of the exact same situations in my own context. I really need to be looking at these people. And uh, it, it's, yeah. yeah. It's been challenging, but, but wonderful. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it is. Um, this is Scott Downing uh, with Rural Compassion. It's interesting to note that all of these qualities existed in 
exist in our normal course of ministry, the, the characteristics that were spoken of of the three. Uh, but of course, with what's going on, everything is intensified to a greater degree. The one, the one group, and, and I agree, Zach, that was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, but the one group wasn't mentioned are the confused. And it, we, it seems to be in some level a larger portion. And many of us as uh, ministers are in the same place. The, um, and that is there, there's so much information that, that is coming and so much of it contradicts. There are states uh, who are loosening things right next to a state that isn't. There are, are scientists and experts and doctors who are saying, do this, no, don't do this. And so there's, there's a whole mass of people who are also just confused. And I think that the wisdom of, of, a, of a pastor, a teaching elder in a session in, in this kind of a moment is precisely what is needed, this, this serious, studious, prayerful, wise walk. And all of us have faced the consequences of this. And all of us have gone through these phases. Uh, as Zach properly said, there's a, there's a piece of that in each of us, in each of those issues. And so it's gonna take, as, as was already mentioned uh, by Josh, that to, to not isolate yourself in the midst of this isolation, but to, in whatever means possible, get together with other pastors, whether it's a, a format like this, whether it's in a safe distance setting, uh, however it is, but to, to absolutely place yourself in a position. I, I was going to meet with the pastor this week, but he was exposed to uh, somebody who had COVID-19, and now he's in mandatory, because uh, he was contacted by the county health uh, tracker on this, mandatory isolation. And so we've already set up meetings to uh, have talks, to be encouraging, and to bring others into that. I think it's a time of very sharp awareness of where we are and how we are. Mm -hmm. yeah. so this is Ed McCallum. I uh, was reminded this week of uh, something called the Stockdale Paradox. I don't know if that rings a bell for anybody. It was in, uh, uh, Gary Collins wrote about it in Good to Great. Uh, and Admiral Stockdale had been in, he was a prisoner for eight years in Vietnam and, uh, and, and he survived. And he, uh, the, the, he was able to do that and he saw others who were very optimistic uh, about the quick, uh, you know, they, okay, I'm, I'm here, but I'm gonna be out and it's gonna be fast. Uh, they were the ones who did not survive. Uh, Stockdale said the key for for him, and this is where he said this is the, where the paradox comes in. Is we we embrace we confront the brutal facts of our current reality, and we retain faith that we will prevail in the end, regardless of the difficulties. And I uh, think you know, wow, that that's uh, you know I yeah I was uh, I catch myself in the naive. Thing. You know, they, hey, let's, you know, it'll be over. You know, we're going to look back at this and then we're kind of, we'll have memories, you know, and our, our, you know, my grandkids are going to talk about this like, you know, we would talked about the, um, you know, you know, the man on the moon or, you know, that uh, the man landing on the moon. It's going to be something they'll remember. But uh, yeah, getting through it, we realized, wait a minute, uh, when we get back to normal, what is normal going to look like? Mm -hmm. uh, it, 
probably is not going to look exactly like the normal we have now. Or if, if it is back to the way it was, it's probably a whole lot longer away than we, uh, than we think. So anyway, the, the Stockdale paradox, uh, remind, I think you know, it's, just, it's another way of phrasing uh, what, uh, what Zach presented to us from, from the wisdom literature. We, we need wisdom. Uh, confronting the brutal part of what we're going through, but retaining faith that we will prevail no matter what the difficulties, even though the end may not be exactly what we envision right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, yeah, I appreciated Zach's uh, presentation as well, and you you're so right. There are so many voices out there, and you probably could have added quite a few more to that, but. Um, <laughs> You know, I've come to the place where in trying to listen to all the different voices and and trying to find wisdom in what everyone is saying, it just, it leaves me more confused. And so I've been thinking lately that really this is a time for faith. This is a time to really ask, well, what is God saying? And, um, And I think about with regards to wisdom in the book of Proverbs, it talks a lot about seeking uh, seeking wisdom, seeking understanding from God. I also think about James where he said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. But when you think about it, um, how much the more would God be willing to give us wisdom in this area, in this, in this issue? Uh, the church is God's church. And, um, you know, recently I've been doing some Bible studies on the subject of the church and what, Hmm. why do we gather? What's the purpose of gathering? Um, So I've been doing some Bible studies about that and I've been studying what the Bible says about the church. And recently I've been reflecting on a passage in Psalm 87, 1 and 2, where it says that the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Um, God has a special love for the gathering of his people. And so if we as, as, as pastors and as leaders within the church, if we come to God and seek wisdom and guidance for what to do with his church, uh, we have every right to believe he's going to guide us. And so I think that we have to take heed to all of the information out there. The Bible talks about the importance of seeking counsel. So I think that we, we, we study what the experts say. We listen to what wisdom is saying, but then at the end of the day, we say, we pray and ask God, now Lord, lead us and guide us and expect him to do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm gonna, I wanna, I wanna bring, uh, bring that home a little uh, more closely with us in terms of sessions and, and ruling elders and teaching elders working together, but I wanted to give everybody notice that very shortly we're gonna open it up to questions. So if you wanna be prepared to, to share that in the chat room, that'd be great. So one of the things that I wanted to pick up on in this is um, how, how can we as uh, elders together uh, develop that, that, uh, that wisdom? How, what are some things that maybe you have found even in this time as you've worked together with uh, other ruling elders and, and your session um, to develop that wisdom, to, to take the time to reflect and to begin to develop some of those answers. But maybe even, I love the questions you asked, Zach. I mean, those are great questions to anticipate. And, and maybe that's one of the things that we've done or could have done uh, to uh, uh, take advantage of those teachable moments when those things arise. So what have you found in working with your session uh, in terms of 
developing that sense of wisdom together. Anything along those lines? Uh, I, this is Zach. Um, I think we're learning, you know, we're, we really are looking to wisdom literature in a way we probably didn't before. We're, we're probably setting that front and center for us and thinking of Jesus as the one greater than Solomon in a, in a kind of a emphasized way. And like we were, um, and, and that's been helpful for us because with political differences and with generational differences, because uh, each generation sort of responds to this differently too. And with those differences on our session, uh, the wisdom, wisdom books have been helpful to it. Proverbs have been helpful. Ecclesiastes has been helpful. I think for two reasons besides it being the Bible, but I think, I think one, uh, a lot of us aren't accustomed to using that, you know, draw it, quoting from there. And so there's not a lot of political generational baggage associated with any, any of the verses that we're looking at. It's sort of fresh for all of us. And then I think that's helped, um, helped us remember our prior commitment, our deeper commitment to, as followers of Jesus to seek wisdom together in spite of or alongside of or with some of the different perspectives we might have. And um, that, that's been one thing uh, that, that has been of help to us. Okay. So you've been studying those things together then? Yes. Not in a, not in a, um, not in a sense of we've gotten out the book and we're studying, but in the sense of when we, when we meet, uh, these are the, ver these are the kinds of verses we're setting in front of each other. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. To frame our meeting. Okay. As we meet and talk, uh, let's remind ourselves of, of, of some wisdom pillars the way the wise discern or the, the, what, what the wise take into account when they make decisions. Um, we've, we've probably emphasized that more than we have in the past. Okay. All right. So, so the question is how, how have you found working with your sessions to develop this reflection, this wisdom based approach, um, anything that has come up that you've used in working together to, to answer these questions. So anybody else? Well, this is um, uh, this is Doug Walker. We have, uh, interestingly, just because we early on took the position of um, assigning elders different portions of the congregation in order to just provide some pastoral care uh, on a regular basis, uh, along with me. But uh, the elders would provide, as we divided up the congregation, just a much more consistent and frequent contact where I would be um, less frequent, but also consistent. But we decided let's meet every week instead of once a month, which a typical session meeting is once a month. And in meeting every week, and we meet for about an hour on the off session weeks, and we simply share the concerns and requests of the people of the congregation who have come up in the most recent week's calls. And um, we have found that praying together, even over the awkwardness of Zoom or however we're doing it, has been very profitable. Mm -hmm. There is something, um, and this is not news to anybody, remarkably unifying when it comes to prayer. And so the agenda has been almost non-existent. Mm 
let's sort of go around the table uh, virtually and, and share the concerns of the people that we've been talking to along with uh, your personal situation and, and let's spend an extended time in prayer together. And it's funny how the prayers quite naturally morph into things like, uh, Lord, we are grateful for the way in which you have um, caused us to understand the trivial matters that we used to pay so much attention to that we don't now. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for how we are able to be very attentive to the needs of the people in our congregation. And so that's been a, it's been a remarkable, um, almost unintentional, but just this is the way the Lord has led us. Let's get together every week and let's pray. And um, as, as simple as it seems, this has been a, a really unifying and valuable aspect of, of our work as leadership. Okay, good. Just a, a question just came up. So um, as we are talking, maybe just very quickly, um, how large are the congregations that each of us are involved in? So Doug, you're what's relatively One, worship size? 140. 140. Zach, about? 250. 250. Brian? 40. Yeah, Josh? 60. 60. Okay, Scott, uh, you're you're in a transitional period, so you can't answer that question. Uh, our, ours is, uh, you know, right around a hundred. So, yeah. So that's those are the that's the span of what we're we're talking about. Okay, good. Anybody else want to jump in there in terms of how you're working with uh, your session? I would just add to to Brian's point. Um, I think this is something we we often strive to do, and I know it it can be a there can be different opinions about this being the way a session should or should not run. Um, but we've really felt it's important that we're unified when we make a decision um, that until we can get all yeses or all no's, um, we wait because the way we're, we're modeling that unanimous movement forward, um, it, it speaks volumes or will speak volumes to the church when we come back and, and it already has, I mean, to, to Zach's points, you know, just as much as I'm thinking of some of the, these characteristics that I embody in myself, um, you know, I'm also finding the members in our church that have responded with these remarks. And the single greatest thing we've had to hold on to this entire time is that unanimity of the session. Uh, it's, it's been so important. Yeah, good. Our, our particular situation here is that uh, as we're seeking a new pastor, um, the elders have been meeting uh, in the last little bit uh, every week, as Doug had said his are, and uh, we're also praying together in uh, twice a month uh, in the mornings together and really trying to um, stay focused on uh, those spiritual matters even while we're working out the logistics and trying to consider what our next steps are in opening up. And uh, I have to say, I think that uh, it really has, we we're all already a pretty tight group and uh, shared a lot of um, a good, a culture in our leadership, but it's really tightened it up. I think a lot for us as well. So I've been really grateful for that. Um, question has come in. So we're going to shift a little bit here. Um, one of those, things that we've all been facing. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about worship uh, in the stay at home season. Someone was asking 
Um, it's a time to change the way church looks and communicates the gospel because of all the different types of ways we're meeting together and using different kinds of means. Now, we're going to talk about the technical piece in week four of this, but um, just now, how, how have you guys found um, uh, the, the um, discussion in regard to the way church looks going forward, have you have you have those kind of questions come up? Uh, are you exploring them? Are there things that you're going to look at going forward? Yes, um, uh, a couple of ways we the tech the live streaming we've been doing. We realize we will continue uh, even after things go back to normal. We were hesitant always to do that because of uh, folks who may not come <laughs> to the service if we did that. But what we've discovered is a number of people on the margins, Christians and people who aren't Christians in our community have been listening in. And, it, and, and we've thought we, we should pay more attention and, and pray more about that than we have. And so we're going to pay more attention to that. And I think the second thing that's, that's, is that, you know, we met in a school for so many years, and then we were in, we have been in this building for the last four years, and we have found ourselves reminding everyone that just because the building doors are closed doesn't mean that church is closed, and that uh, that you know that's been good for us, and it's helped us again think afresh about um, all the ways church is happening. Uh, all the ways God's God's people are following Him, and I think that's gonna I think that's gonna be fruitful for us um, in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling inclined to continue um, sharing our worship services and Bible studies. Um, again, I have a small church. Uh, normally, I'm preaching and teaching to somewhere between thirty to fifty people, but um, sharing my sermons and Bible studies online, I'm, I'm now preaching to somewhere around 200 people a week. And so, um, so that's an opportunity, an opportunity for further outreach and a further opportunity to uh, get the gospel out. So I, I, I envision continuing um, the use of social media and the internet for, for continuing to uh, publish our sermons and Bible studies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it just, uh, a related question, just in terms of the overall ministry of the church during this time, um, have you, have you discovered any teachable moments, uh, around the whole idea of, um, discipleship, um, what it means to, uh, the, the sense is that in some people's minds that what we're really aiming at is just trying to get back to what we were before. Um, and that probably is um, what's paramount in most people's minds. So have there been any teachable moments where you may have been starting to explore, maybe that's not what we need to do. You know, maybe this is an opportunity to uh, really take a look at our, our structure, our, our mission, our goals, our objectives, all the rest of that. I'll just say that there's a, a saying that our, our session is kicking around right now and it's 
what are the things that we've always done because we've always done them that we don't have to do anymore. And it is, it's been an invitation to really consider what is essential to Riceville Valley Community Church being who we are and who the Lord's called us to be. And could he be calling us to, to a, a different space or a particular space? Um, and, and like probably a lot of your churches, the, our church is an old church. It's from the 1800s. And so there's a, there's a lot of, uh, like we like to say, sacred bovines hiding in the corners. And, um, and, 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 but when you take a three-month hiatus from life, you start finding that a lot of those sacred cows were not nearly as sacred as you thought they were. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Good. I think, Roy, to, to not take advantage of uh, this two-and-a-half, three-month hiatus um, would be a, a significant missed opportunity to really examine all of the different ministries in your church. And w- one of the predominant conversations that we're having among uh, our session members is um, when we look at the various programs that we have, um, begin to ask not um, how, how, when do we get back to these programs, but really ask the question, what are the desired outcomes that we had in these programs in the first place? I mean, were, were we hoping to see uh, significant growth in grace? Were we, were, was this a, a, a discipleship tool that we found useful or was just this just a Sunday school class that has always been a Sunday school class? So I think a lot of that's just picking up from where, where Josh left off. And I, I would say don't miss the opportunity uh, during this time to say, why in the world are we doing this? And not just with the, and be careful, not just with the things that you as the pastor think need to change, but open the entire book and say, folks, what, what are we hoping this achieves? Um, and, and truly, are we achieving what we, we thought it would? And so when you, when you put the outcome-based question before your session, it becomes a different conversation rather than just, uh, this is a great Sunday school class. We got to keep it. Uh, well, are, are, are we really making disciples in the way Jesus commanded us to? Or has this just been a great, comfortable Sunday school class for a lot of years? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it may be that they're producing disciples, but I think, I think to miss this opportunity to evaluate everything would, would be a, a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a, uh, I want to come back to a question and then there's another one that just came, uh, came up. Uh, so let's see, Scott, I'm having trouble unmuting you. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, uh, I just, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, everybody says, has said, you know, we, we all know that the church isn't the building. But this has brought about a greater awareness of that. And it's brought it about in very practical terms because a lot of rural churches have begun to ask themselves, uh, in the midst of this pandemic, how can we minister to our community? It seems in in my discussion with various rural pastors, 
that has now become a predominant thought of how can we minister in the midst of this more so than that has ever been in their church. I mean, it isn't that it wasn't there. It isn't that there wasn't a desire, but by, by virtue of the fact we've sort of been scattered at some level, we've gone through a diaspora, that there is a, a, a greater awareness of my neighborhood, my neighbors, and my community, and what are we then called to do? And uh, we're seeing, I mean, I'm seeing through what we do, a lot of rural churches, and that's the focus of ministry, cities I'm sure the same, a lot of rural ministries that are um, doing exceptional things right now, ministering in their community, taking precautions, doing those things, but really reaching out. So it's really, as I said, you don't want to waste this opportunity to reflect on this, but it's, it's, it's kind of an amazing thing we're actually watching. Okay. So I want to switch gears here just a little bit and, and kind of fold in one other question uh, that relates to this, because it has to do with uh, one of the things, um, for those of you who may not know, I, I'm uh, the executive director for PIR Ministries. That's not uh, necessarily a big deal at this point, but it is in relation to um, what we're finding among many pastors and church leaders is um, decision fatigue. Um, first, there were the decisions about how to handle the closures and what we would do in, in this time uh, to remain together as a church and, and to continue connection and all the rest of that. And now we're on the precipice of a whole nother slew of decisions about how to reopen and what we're going to do about that. And uh, when it comes to I mean, something that Zach talked about earlier is, is uh, just those um, related to those competing voices that we have, um, how do we, how do we as church leaders, TEs and REs both, how do we um, manage our own souls uh, and, and encourage one another in this time so that uh, we aren't um, doing knee-jerk reactions, but that we are taking the time to reflect and, and uh, walking with each other in, in this really, really tough time. So what have you found? So the question, I guess, is what have you found in terms of uh, your own capacity to continue making decisions uh, at the rate that we've been making them? And how are you finding ways to uh, be centered in your, in your own life and in your walk and, and then encourage your, your other leaders to do that? So it's kind of a multifaceted question there, but it has to do with that idea of, of being centered in the midst of a lot of decision fatigue that's going on. One of the privileges I have is um, I'm actually a part of a um, church planters cohort here locally. Um, and we have about maybe somewhere around 15 other church planters and pastors. And we, we meet weekly and we've been meeting weekly by Zoom. And we've been talking about what we've been dealing with in our various churches and we also have a devotion time together also and pray for each other. And that has been so, uh, such a blessing to me. Um, it, it's, I, if, if any pastor has an opportunity to, because it's different from dealing with a session, you know, in dealing with a session, you are pouring over issues and making decisions and, and you're examining stuff. But here is not so much, we're not so much making decisions. We are, 
we are venting, we're pouring out our frustrations to each other, we're hearing about how others are dealing with things as pastors, and it has been a tremendous blessing to, to me. So I would encourage that if there's an opportunity to be a, for any of you to be a part of a pastor's cohort where you're able to share with other pastors and pouring into each other, that has been a tremendous blessing for me spiritually. Wonder if we should uh, think about starting a ruling elders cohort. <laughs> so, might be something put on the agenda. <laughs> Anybody else uh, want to chime in on that in terms of staying centered and uh, finding your way to uh, a healthy soul in the midst of all the decisions? Well, I've been uh, using the ask, seek, knock. Uh, wisdom paradigm there from our Lord Jesus. You know what? What question am I asking? And uh, so that you know something I don't know or don't have and wish I did. Uh, what am I seeking? And that is uh, a, something I want, and the way I'm choosing to get it. And what am I knocking? And that's a, fr I think of that as a frustration. It's a closed door. I wish was open, mm. but it's not. And then the fourth thing there is who, what narrative am I believing about God? Cause you know, that's when our Lord says there's two narratives there. God is either, he's, he's a, a mean withholding God who will give you scorpions or snakes. And then our Lord's countering that narrative that he's a faithful father so that kind of those questions and it's been some help to me to center there and to raise those kinds of things with uh some of our every week our, our core leadership team our volunteers and workers we have gotten together and spent time reflecting in god's word like that together with those kinds of questions and that's that's been helpful and then another practical thing I've been doing, because I'm over 50 now, I'm 51, I've started drinking tart cherry juice because it's supposed to have antioxidants and stuff. And uh, I've just been walking our parking lot when I'm talking on the phone. Others have done that already. I just never did that. And uh, uh, Roy has encouraged me, among others, that I need to make sure I get my steps in every day. And, uh, and that's been happening. And I do, I do, I have this uh, little phone that tells me my heart rate and uh, my resting heart rate has dropped in the last uh, month uh, significantly since I started walking um, around like that. And so that's the bodily side of the centeredness um, that's been helpful. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I appreciate what Zach said because there, there's a, for me, there's a stepping back that requires asking the question, when it comes to decision fatigue, who's pressing you to make the decision? And oftentimes it's myself. It's a self-imposed, uh, I've got to do this because this is what needs to be done for, for the church. And, and this is why I'm called here and this is what my role is. And in, in reality, there, there needs to be a step back and say, all right, Maybe it's, um, maybe it's not a decision that needs to be made right now. Maybe a walk around the parking lot 
uh, several times might be a really good idea um, because it's remarkable how many self-imposed timelines I have when um, the, whether I'm stressed out or just feel that urge to, to make the decision. No one was expecting me to make it anytime soon. It just happened to be there and I'm the one who picked it up. Uh, Zach shared a um, passage from, from John 16. You know, in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. And it's remarkable how many times that we misinterpret that and say, in this world, you will have trouble. Hurry up and make a decision so the trouble is made less rather than take heart. I have overcome the world. So that's, I think, a, a little self-check every once in a while. Just the simple question, when, when is this project due? When, who's asking for this to be done? And if it's you, then, um, yeah, chill, t take a couple laps. Uh, <laughs> it's probably, probably better. Yeah. I would say to that, uh, especially to the decision fatigue, I, I think there's a couple of lies that, as I've, I've talked with other pastors, that's easy to believe. Um, and the big one is, is that all I've been doing is sitting at the house and my summer plans have gotten destroyed and we're going to be getting right back to church right when summer's hitting. Therefore, I need to pour myself now into the church. and. The truth is, is I think every single one of us needs to recognize, um, myself especially, this has been really hard. Um, and there's been a lot of stress involved sitting at the house trying to make decisions, even trying to think, how are we going to come back together as a church? That is, you know, especially if you're a solo pastor, you have a small staff, that's a lot of stress on you constantly. Um, and I would... I, I, I know for myself and others, it's been a huge thing to think about um, when are we planning our vacations? Um, and that was a conversation I had with my wife is, as I was talking about stress with her, um, she said, let's plan some, some camping trips this summer because if we don't do it now, it's not going to happen and it'll be Christmas and Advent and <laughs> you, you will not have taken time off. Uh. Are you guys seeing this? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little concerned that maybe we've been hacked um, because I can't take back the screen. Um, that's really unfortunate. Uh, if this is Roseanne, <laughs> please stop what you're doing. Um, let's see if I can figure out how to do this. Well, folks, I apologize for that. Uh, I, I'm not sure what happened here. Um, all right, then. Um, we're almost at the end anyway, so I'm just going to, uh, I think we'll wrap it up. It's been really good. And I, I hope that you've, uh, in this first segment, that you've uh, gleaned some really good things. We've, we've talked about uh, those voices and the need for seeking wisdom and seeking wisdom together. Um, we've talked about the need to reflect and to take time uh, to do that. And, uh, and we've talked about uh, the importance of centering ourselves during this time. So uh, I hope that this has given you some help in how to make, take advantage of those teachable moments during this time, especially as we move into the next phase. And uh, we, hopefully you'll, you'll join us next Thursday.
Uh, we're going to talk uh, about the life of the body and what you guys have been experiencing, what we've been experiencing in terms of uh, ministry in the community, ministry within the church during this time, and how we can carry those into this next phase. So we hopefully we'll see you next Thursday, 7 o'clock, and we'll get some of these technical things worked out, and uh, it'll be a great time together. So thank you all for uh, being here. Thank you to the team for your excellent engagement and sharing of your insights and uh, just really appreciate everyone's participation. Have a great week and a great Memorial Day weekend. All right. Great week. Thank you.